Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Other Everest podcast. I am joined today with uh, Dom Kelly, who's the director of social media for Ranker. And Ranker, for those of you who don't know, is a digital publisher located in Los Angeles. And uh, I am delighted today to be able to have a conversation with Dom. As we had talked in our first session, the intent in these podcasts is to identify leaders who are what most people would call ordinary, but are doing extraordinary things. And my intent in these podcasts is to shine a light through our stories of remarkable leadership that is exhibited every day that you may not hear about, that you may not know about. This is what I call authenticity in action. My passion is not just to describe what leaders do. There's a lot of leadership books out there that will tell you and teach you and give you great insights that you can follow strategies and tools for how to be a better leader. What I'm passionate about is what is the user underneath those tools? Who is the human being? How does one become the kind of leader that they are capable of? How does one become the kind of person that it takes to make an impact in the world, to make a difference? My goal, ultimately, my purpose is to make a difference with difference makers. And the way I do that is to shine a light on what I call the journey to the other Everest. As we mentioned in the last session, we have a society today that looks upward and outward toward defining our worth in the world based on achievements, the next summit. The other Everest is the journey down, the journey within, the journey to explore the deeper aspects of ourselves that make us who we are. As I said, the deepest point in the world is more than 8,000 meters below sea level. It's virtually an inverted Everest. So what I'm interested in is our leaders who are doing extraordinary things in their workplace, who are growing as leaders, and I'm here to shine a light on what that looks like. And I have with me today Dom Kelly, who's the director of social media at Ranker. Now, social media is a digital publisher in Los Angeles, and I have a great deal of respect for Dom. I've heard great things about Dom in terms of what you're doing in your work as a leader. And Dom, thank you for joining us today in this podcast, in this session on the Other Everest, and to share your story about how you became a leader today. Thank you for, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm honored. So let me tell you, let, let me ask you, Dom, how would you describe your leadership? as a director of social media at Ranker? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I, I think I'm, I, I would say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a growing leader or a, a budding leader. Um, I, I wouldn't entirely say I'm, I'm a, it, it's hard for me to describe myself as a leader. Um, I, uh, I don't feel entirely confident as a leader. Um, I, I see myself as a manager. Um, I, I think I'm a good manager. 
and uh, but I, I I think when it comes to leadership, um, I've I've definitely had a lot of practice and um, and working toward being a leader, but I don't feel like I'm 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 a leader in, in, as of yet. See, I find this very fascinating because everybody that I interview. Everybody that I would identify as being a leader who have been identified by other people, by their staff, by their colleagues, by their own managers as being a leader, the common denominator is that people don't see themselves, true leaders don't see themselves as being a leader. And it's one of my observations is, first of all, you can't really call yourself a leader. You're not really a leader until somebody else says that you're a leader. And one of the other qualities that I see in all authentic leadership is the quality that you're just exhibiting in this interview, in this conversation. I really want to say it's a conversation more than an interview. What I really notice in our conversation so far is this quality called humility, that you really aren't going to put yourself out there and see that you're a leader. What kind of a feedback, what kind of feedback do you get from your boss about your leadership there? I mean, I've, I've only gotten um, positive feedback from, from my boss and, um, and other, other people in, in you know, past jobs I've, I've, I've worked at. Um, I, you know, I, I think uh, when I came on, um, there, was, there was no one really leading the, the social media team. Um, there, was, there was one person heading a department um, that had two different teams combined. And so I totally, you know, probably had a couple dozen, maybe more people underneath them. And um, they were looking for, um, for someone to come in and, and lead this, this team. Um, and uh, the, the work that this, that our, our team, the social media team does is an integral part to, um, you know, like the operation and, the business, so um, so I, I think coming in there, there were probably some pretty heavy expectations um, and a really big need for for someone to come in and, and manage this team. Which there were some definite definite structural issues within the team, and um, and it was apparent that there were there was a lack of, of leadership, and so um, I definitely felt some pressure coming in. Um, probably just got to put on myself to, to deliver um, because of that. But um, I've got nothing but, but really great feedback on, on how, I, how I manage my team, um, the, the dynamic that I have on my team. Everyone on my team is, um, you know, it, it, I've had people from other teams say, I, 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 can I come join your team? Um, you know, I think people, people really see us as an example of um, you know, people who work hard, but... Um, you know, I also am a big believer in positive reinforcement, and um, and, uh, and so I've, I've been I've from from my bosses, from my boss and then the CEO, I've received nothing but but great feedback, which is really um, which is really reassuring. Um, and I've also gotten a lot of guidance, and um, you know, from my boss, who I really admire as a leader, um, on you know how to you know, other practices and, and management and, cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still learning and it's, it's definitely a, a different experience for me to lead a team this big. 
And I want to make it really clear, too, that this is not a criticism of previous leadership, that sometimes leadership is very contextual, and what got a team to a certain place may not take that team to the next level that they need to get to. And so you were brought in as a, as a leader to take the team to the, where they need to go to today. I find it very fascinating that you're, the quality that you're exhibiting, which is that you downplay your leadership ability, is actually your strength because it makes you accessible, it makes you approachable, that quality of humility. Can you speak for a minute to that quality of humility? It's, very, it's, a, it's a bit of a paradox because I'm asking you to value a quality that you probably diminish as being important. But I'm wondering whether you can see that your humility and your openness to learn and your quote-unquote lack of experience because you haven't had a whole lot of experience in leading just based on your age. You're in your 20s. You haven't had a vast amount of experience, but your openness to learn actually led to your ability to lead. Is that a fair assumption? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I said in my, in my interview that I'm, my, my, like I, that I, I have experience managing, I, um, but I, I know, you know, this is, this is a big step up, um, in terms of title and responsibilities, and that I and that I'm eager to to continue to grow and learn, and and I, and I really truly believe that like no one um, is, is done learning, um, even even CEOs of companies who who have you know been in business for decades, you know there's still so much there's still so much room for for growth and and learning. So that's that's how I how I approach most things. I'm just always open to learn more. Um, and, uh, and and then thankfully I get really great feedback from from my company, which is you know I feel really lucky to work at a place like Ranker because you know there are great leaders there. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I, it, it's it's even weird for me to say yeah that's humility because I feel like I'm sort of patting myself on the back by saying that. Um, but uh, but I do think it's in, yeah I, I do I do see that I possess that quality. Exactly. And do you understand? So what you've said here, what you've described as leadership is not necessarily a person who comes in with a vast amount of skills, a vast amount of experience, although that can be there. But what leadership is, is about coming in and being willing to learn. What kind of, a, what kind of an attitude have you brought to your leadership? In the, in the work that you're doing here. When you came in, you've, you've talked a little bit about being open to learn and you've talked about being receptive and, and being willing to, um, well, to learn. What, what other qualities would you say that you brought in to this role that you're currently in right now? I think the quality that I think I'm most... Um, again, I... I so I feel like I'm patting myself on the back, but the most that I'm the most um, proud of is, is my my compassion um, and and caring. I guess I would kind of put them together. Um, I uh, I I really care about the people that I work with, and um, and every single person that I hire, um, I 
I want to take the time to um, help them learn the job. I want to be compassionate in my approach and patient um, in their in their learning process, and um, and and I care genuinely about um, every single one of them. Uh, in, in what's going on, whether it's, you know, they come to me and say there's something going on in their, their personal life and, um, and there's a concern there and how it affects their work. And, you know, I, I, I take a compassionate uh, approach to that um, and, and I take a caring approach to that. Um, and I think that's something that, uh, and I think it has to do with how I was raised, maybe, um, and the type of parents that I had. Um, and each of the examples that I that I had, um, and, but yeah, I think like that that's to me. Um, I I think above the skills, the experience I have working in social media and um, and digital publishing and journalism, like the, the technical skills and the you know the, like knowing you know what what's works best for strategy and like like all of that stuff aside, I think like in terms of Now, would you have articulated before this interview, would you have articulated before this conversation that your caring was a leadership quality? I don't know if I would have said it was a leadership quality. I think I would have said that it was um, uh, a quality within myself that I'm, that I'm, that I practice and that I show in my every everyday life, but I don't necessarily think I would have said it was a leadership quality. I, I guess, you know, but, but before knowing you and really understanding leadership, I, the way I see, I viewed leadership was strictly like workplace leadership and management and, um, and so I, I didn't, I guess, probably I, I wouldn't, I would say I wouldn't see the, the, um, I wouldn't see that as a quality of leadership necessarily. See, one of the things that I understand about our gifts that we bring to the world, Don, first of all, I completely <coughs> concur with the observations I've had of you personally. This is one of the reasons why I asked to interview you, because you are, in my mind, an authentic leader. You express these qualities of humility, of an openness to learn, of caring. The paradox in it is that I define a gift as an aspect of ourself that we don't remember learning. That's just integrated. Because I'm going to, I'm going to hazard a hypothesis here. You did not learn in a leadership course how to care and how to be open to learning. Correct? Yeah, I've never even taken a leadership course. Exactly. You've never read a book on, on, uh, on developing your leadership capacity through caring, and you, you didn't go from non-caring. You, probably, I'm, I'm, you may have read a book. You may have taken a course, but you didn't learn how to care. You didn't learn how to be open to learn. You didn't learn humility by taking a course or reading a book. You can learn the skills of those areas. You can develop that, but it's not something to be trained into you. It's not something to be 
taught. As my dad would probably say, it can be caught, but it can't be taught. But you bring that, and all I'm shining a light on is those qualities are actually fundamental qualities for the expression of great leadership. And the paradox, of course, is that you won't acknowledge that instinctively because our gifts are so close to us, we can't see them. It's like our eyes. You won't see your eyes because they're so close to you. They're gifts that we have, the gift of eyesight, the gift of your face, but it's so close to you, you don't see it. It's like a musician. A gifted musician won't instinctively see that that musical ability is actually a gift. It's just, well, it's just what I do. I just play and it comes naturally for me. I just care and it comes naturally. It's not a gift, it's just who I am. Humility isn't really a gift, it's just who I am. Does that make sense? That makes total sense, absolutely. So what I'm passionate about is to find out how the development of caring, the development of humility, of openness to learn, where did that come from? What is your story? What were your defining moments that brought the depth of your caring at this stage, at this early stage in your life, to enable you to come in as a caring leader that is capable of building a team the way that you can build? And you know, you've also illustrated here that leadership isn't about getting it perfect. You do it in your own imperfect human way. But there's some qualities that you're bringing to that that I'm passionate about uncovering and shining a light on that. And then hopefully we can shine a light on that with other people that may also downplay the gifts that they bring to their unique expression of this thing called leadership. So I'm curious if you can articulate in any way what was your upbringing? Because I know that the other quality that you bring to your, to your expression of leadership is the quality of self-awareness that comes beautifully in your work that I have observed personally in, in uh, my association with you. Where Do you have any self-awareness around or any clarity? Do you have any clarity at this point about where the development of caring and humility and openness came from. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think I mentioned my 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 parents were a great example, um, and I think from the start of my life, uh, they really showed, they really exuded those qualities, and um, I wouldn't say they necessarily taught us them, um, uh, but they they showed us how, in, in practice how how to be caring and kind and, and humble. Um, and I think it really stemmed from our circumstances. Um, I, I, I'm one of a set of triplets, and um, when we were, we were born uh, almost four months premature and lived in the hospital for the first six months of our, well, I, I lived in the hospital for the first six months of my life. And, I was uh, under two pounds when I was born, and um, and so it was kind of a miracle that we survived, and um, and we were always told that growing up, not that we were special, um, but that it was it was a gift that we were alive, and that you know that meant that we needed to live the right way, um, and uh, 
be good people, essentially. And, um, and kind of on top of that was um, this, uh, I would call it a gift now. Um, I didn't see it that way sometimes when I was a kid, but um, being, being diagnosed with cerebral palsy um, when I was a year old, my, my triplet brothers and I were all diagnosed. And I think that experience, um, something about a defining moment, um, even though I don't remember being diagnosed, it was just I've always have had cerebral palsy. Um, I think that um, was really a, a, I mean, it, it was unique. Our situation was unique, um, being multiples, and especially around that time, triplets were very rare. So, um, and uh, so, yeah, having, you know, being multiples, have, being disabled, um, really not, not having any money growing up. But my parents were young. My mom was 25 when she had us. My dad was 27. And, um, and my dad was a cop in New York City, and my mom was at home with three kids with special needs. And, you know, we, we had nothing, really. Um, but there was a lot of love in my house. And, um, and my parents really instilled in us uh, uh, that, that there was nothing that we couldn't do, um, that like we, we, they, were, they would be really, really pissed off if we used our disability as a reason to not, not pursue things. And, um, and so they treated us, they treated us like, you know, normal, normal kids who weren't, you know, didn't work in their disabilities. Um, and, uh, and, I, and, and I think that started, like, having that experience right out of the gate, um, I think uh, in ways, for me, I, I definitely had some experience of self-pity, some negativity, um, but my parents were an example of, um, you know, this, this is what life has thrown at us, and so we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna react positively and we're going to live fulfilling lives. Does that make sense? Absolutely. There was no, your parents didn't treat you any differently because of these, these physical challenges. They didn't treat you, no. they didn't treat you with kid gloves. They just said, you no. can do anything you want to do in your life. They gave you a message that, of uh, a belief in you, an encouragement that says you can deal with life. They're not going to learn that because they they have a disability that they're 
that they're exempt to, you know, the consequences. Or um, I have one, one funny story about that that I think perfectly describes my upbringing. Was my we were in preschool and we, we took a bus to, to school. They would come and pick us up, and um, and there was a, a my brother had an aide um, who was with him all, all day and just would help him. Um, and uh, and every day the aide would come home. My dad would pick us up from the bus and. They would say, um, you know, he's just, uh, he, you know, he's just been like, crying, and um, you know, he's just been, you know, he's just seemed like really agitated, and I'm not sure what's going on. And, and my dad picked up on it right away, and um, and one day he said to my brother, he's like, is, is, is I think she was a new aide, um, and he said, is, is is she treating you like a baby? And he was like, yeah. And um, and my dad said, okay, tomorrow. What I want you to do is, she treats her like a baby. You tell her to go fart in the hat, which is so my dad. Like that's <laughs> not something my dad would say. Um, and uh, and and I want you to tell her to go fart in the hat. And the next day, the bus pulled up, and she's like, he he's just been laughing all day. Every time I say something to him, he's just laughing, and he's like a different kid. <laughs> um, and and that was that was just my parents. You know, it was like you know we're we're not going to let people treat you differently. Um, and, and and it was always like a like a lightness to it too, you know. There it was uh, it, there was always that kind of light, lightness to our situation, you, you, no matter how hard it was at, at times. They always they always made jokes. If, if we tripped and fell, they'd be like, "What do you think? You have cerebral palsy or something?" Um, you know, like that was kind of like how we dealt with things. And I think it really contributed to to us becoming more, um, uh, you know, not ashamed of our disability. Um, you know, and, and just more, um, you know, adopting the philosophy that, like, no matter what, we, we, we could do anything, despite our limitations. Nobody felt sorry for you. No, no. And if they did, it didn't last long. <laughs> and how do you think... It, you've, you've, you've really articulated this already. It's a bit self-evident. But can you articulate how that impacted you as a human being? in terms of dealing with your challenges in life? You know, I think... Um, in other words, Dom, how, what did you learn from this experience growing up with these challenges, physical challenges? I think I learned that no matter what happened in my life, no matter how hard things were, that, that there was always joy, um, and there was always um, a lesson from it, and, and that life would still go on um, despite it. I think that my parents and my mom was such such a, a warrior for us. Like she she would she would fight for us no matter what. Um, like like they they fought for two years for my brother to be in a regular a regular classroom instead of a special ed classroom. They went to Albany, New York, to the state capitol and fought. And and my mom was such an advocate. And, and I think that what that that experience kind of really made us all understand that like no matter what we, we could we we could we could have good things in life and that we didn't need to roll over when things got hard and and I think that kind of uh, really uh, when we when that really started to show was when when my my 
fraternal brother passed away when I was six. Um, unexpectedly, he had pneumonia. We didn't know he had pneumonia. And um, he passed away in his sleep. And it, it sent, I think, us all down a dark, a dark road for a little bit. And, and then things, after a couple of years, really turned around. And our, our life got better. And we started to see the... the the blessing that came from that experience, which I, it took me a long time to see personally, but I remember my mom when I was younger saying, you know, we, we wouldn't be who we are as a family if we hadn't gone through this. Um, as, as terrible as it was for my parents losing a child, um, as, as dark as some times were, they, they actually used that to um, help them move forward and, and you know, bring joy back into our home and, and give us a really beautiful life despite it. But they didn't deny the grief. They didn't deny the hardship, yeah. the pain. But they didn't allow, if I'm hearing this correctly, your parents didn't allow that pain to, to, to bring you down in terms of immobilizing you or feeling sorry for yourself or emerging into self-pity. you learn from that, Dom? I think it, it gave me, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest and say that I, I battled my own demons for years after my brother died um, that I can't necessarily blame on, on his death, but I can say that was kind of a, a catalyst for, for kind of those things coming to a head. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, I never had this. I, I, I never felt like like there was no hope. Um, as for, for my life, like I always knew deep down that no matter what, I, I could be okay if I chose to be. Um, you know, there were certainly times where where I chose negativity and I chose self destruction and self harm um, and depression and you know and I and I I would definitely say I chose those things. Um, 
and uh, and there were circumstances that were certainly beyond my control. Um, and uh, but I I chose those things. But deep down, I knew, I knew that I, I did have a choice. Like that, I could have you know a beautiful life. And um, and, and I, so I think that 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 instilled that in me. And when I was ready, um, when I was really ready to say, you know, I, I'm done with some of these self-destructing behaviors and um, and uh, some of the self-harm and negativity. I, I When I decided I was done, I had that in me. To, it was that inside of me that said, you know, yeah, you, you, you know you can be okay. You know, mom and dad are okay. Your brothers are okay. Um, you know, it's time that you're okay. I, I think that's what that taught me, if, if that makes sense. That makes complete sense. Do you have any sense of where that came from, that inner sense of that inner voice of saying, uh, I need to stop this destructive behavior and, destru- and the trajectory that my life is on and move toward a, a, a contribution in the world and doing something useful in the world? Yeah, I, I think that came from sur- surrendering to, an, to this idea that I had believed for a long time that that, that, that I, I was that it, it all it all stopped at me um, that that there was nothing greater than me um, and you know I didn't have much of a you know, I, I had somewhat of a religious up, upbringing my father is Irish Catholic and my mother is Jewish and we kind of had both so there was a little bit of a confusion there I think in terms of like religious beliefs but um, but I think for a long time I just sort of you know, I would say I was a card-carrying atheist, um, and uh, and I don't see. I don't think there's anything wrong with with atheism if it comes from a you know a place of um, you know education and um, you know. And I know lots of atheists who are really self-aware and, um, and really good people. And so nothing against atheism, but I think for me it came from a place of negativity and darkness and um, fear. And, uh, and I think what, what got me, what kind of made me realize that it was, it was time that I um, do something was that I, I kind of decided that I realized I had a sort of like a spiritual awakening and realized that, you know, oh, there's, there's more to this. There's more to life um, than just me. And that I can ask others for help. I can, I, I, I do believe in something. I do believe in an energy in the universe um, and, uh, and a goodness in, in the world. And, and I think that's what kind of brought that out of me. Now, have you ever made the link between all of that experience and your capacity to have other people put confidence in you to look after a team, to serve a team, you know, you are working with a team that I'm assuming you've got people on that team who are older than you, who are less, ex- who are more experienced than you in this work. But there's something that was spotted in you to say there's some leadership here. There's a capacity to build um, a team, to inspire people toward a shared vision, which is how I define leadership, is a desire to make a difference in the world. 
Can you begin to make that link between some of these life experiences that you had growing up that at the time you would have said, you know what, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. You wouldn't wish this on anyone, but in the light of time's perspective, you began to see that this was a, that this actually was helping to shape you, to help you be who you are meant to be in life. That oyster transforming into metaphorically some kind of a pearl that those at the time that the horribleness of it, and I don't want to in any way diminish the horribleness of it, in fact, the depth of the darkness through it ha actually helped contribute to the person that you are today that makes you capable of being a leader. Can you speak to any of your awareness of making that link, either now or in the past? Sure, I don't think that I, I was aware of that in the past. Um, I think it wasn't until I started on a management track in my career um, that I really saw it, um, uh, that, there was a, that there was a link, and I, see it, I certainly see it now. Um, I think I, I hopefully instill in my team that um, there are no challenges that are too great, um, and, uh, and that, um, you know, there's... Uh, Kindness and compassion are are equally as important in in the workplace as skills and um, knowledge, um, and I think that that all comes from that experience. Um, I also, um, I, I mean, I definitely think that there, that there was uh, I, I had some practice growing up with with being a leader and um, uh, I, I, my mom started a program uh, when I was a kid um, or helped start a program called Celebration of Capabilities and we would go to schools in our district and we would speak to high schoolers you know I was kindergarten speaking to high schoolers about our disability um, and uh, we would speak in front of you know classrooms and you know auditoriums full of kids and um and we did that with my mom for a while, and then when we got to middle school, we started it in the middle school because it wasn't there, and we got an award for it in eighth grade. Um, and I did that all through high school, and even after I, I left school, um, came back and did that. And that started, um, you know, it started young, and and I think that, um, you know, when I look back at that, I think that's all connected. I think um, my parents kind of like, you know, raising us to be confident in front of other people, and. Um, that all, you know, that experience combined with our, you know, the hardship that we faced and it all, it definitely all has um, impacted how I lead today and I, 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 can see, I can for sure see it now. I don't know if I, maybe five years ago if I would have said that I, I can see the connection, but I definitely see it now. What would, what would be the message, if any, that you would like to leave our listeners about this journey to authenticity, because it's it's really a journey. It's 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 a method of travel, much more than it is a destination. As you said to begin this conversation today, Dom, this is a you're a budding leader, and I would suggest that every great leader that I've ever met, whether they're 80 years old, 
or 25 years old, um, whether they lead a, a corporation, a team, a family, a community association, I would suggest that any leader that I have respect for would introduce themselves as a budding leader. I'm learning. And so is there any lessons on this journey that you would like to leave your listeners? I, you must be incredibly grateful to your parents and the way that they instilled this value of confidence and courage, tenacity, perseverance, caring. Um, it, so there's certainly some, some parenting lessons that can be learned from this uh, when we're dealing with children who, deal with, who, who, were, who have difficulties to face, that it's a matter of being there when we have, when we're in the middle of, of dealing with challengers, there's some leadership, some parenting lessons to be learned in this case, in terms of compassionately being there with our kids and for our kids without taking the pain away and putting our arm around them and saying, giving them the confidence and saying, you can do this. So there's some parenting lessons there's also some life lessons. There's some leadership lessons. Are there any lessons that come to your mind as we draw this to, to a conclusion today that you can reflect on and give us back that might have some value to our listeners? I think the first thing that comes to mind is, um, is that I don't, being authentic, um, and I've learned a lot about authenticity from you, um, that being authentic to me means not, not compromising who I am um, and, and my principles and, um, and what I stand for um, in, in whatever I'm doing. And that, I, I really, really learned that from, from my, my mom. Um, and uh, as you know, my, my mom died last year, and um, she was 51, and she suffered from cancer for years. And, um, and at the end of her life, she was she was just totally herself. She didn't apologize for who she was. For, for I think probably she would say for a long time. You know, she, she dealt with a lot of people pleasing and you know but in the last 10 years of her life when she was facing cancer she was just authentically her and she lived her life to the fullest and if there was something she didn't want to do it didn't feel right to her she said no she learned to say no um, and she, she she learned how to make her life exactly what she wanted it to be and I think that's at the end of her life and being there with her, what I saw was that she had no regrets at the end of her life. She didn't, she didn't say, I wish I had done this. I, I wish I had um, said yes to this. It was, she knew she lived exactly how she wanted to in the time that she had. She, she never, she didn't have this huge bucket list. She didn't, we said, do you want to travel? Do you want to go? And she was like, no, I just want to be here with my family. That's all I want. I want to spend time with my family. That's my bucket list. She said that so many times. 
Um, she actually said, you're my bucket list. And, uh, and that was her. She was just authentic. And, um, and I think what that teaches me as a leader is that, um, you know, that I, I don't have to compromise my values and what I want and, um, in my life um, to, be, to be at a higher level or a higher position or make more money um, or have more influence, like all that stuff's fine. Um, but that, you know, at the end of my life, how do, how do, what do I want to pass along to my kids or my grandkids? And, um, God willing, I live that long. Um, you know, I, I, I want to pass along what my mom passed along to me. And that was that, um, that I, I can stand for, for things and, and that I don't have to do anything that I don't want to do, and that if I do want to do something, that there's nothing that can get get in my way. Um, um, as long as I keep kindness and compassion and love at the at the center of it, and, and I think that I pass along that as a leader. Maybe I don't necessarily say those words, but I think in my actions, I I show that to to um, you know the people on my team, um, and I help them grow. I I, I want people to on my team to move up if they want to move up and take on more responsibility if they want to take on more responsibility and that ultimately reflects good on me and so I think I, I try to I really try to instill that in people um, that you know you, you if, if that's what you want let, let's work I'll help you get there um, that's me being authentic and that's helping others be authentic I think that's that's really the big thing that comes to mind. Dom, thank you for your story today. It's uh, inspiring, and I understand more deeply what made you who you are. And I know you you uh, developed a whole career prior to this career in the whole music industry as a musician, and that's a story that we. We aren't going to have time to tell, but I know that uh, you're a very gifted musician and you're a gifted human being. And this story that you've expressed to us today gives some understanding as to where these gifts emerged from. Is there anything else that you would like to express that I haven't asked you about? I think you've covered a lot. <laughs> I, I just really, uh, really appreciate this. And I, uh, this actually makes me feel really um, a lot more confident about my um, myself as a as a budding leader and um, kind of see see the, see myself in in a different a different light. Um, so I just appreciate you helping me uncover this. Well, Don, my intention is that I could can do this in our interview, and that I also can build that sense of confidence and assurance with other budding leaders, people who want to make a difference in the world. And by your story, I have no doubt that it will inspire and build confidence with other leaders in a similar situation that, that may not recognize the value of their upbringing and the value of the contribution that they make by what they meant and what, what meaning they found within that upbringing in their service and contribution to the world. So thank you very, very much, Dom. Oh, thank you.